You are now about to witness the strength of knowledge. This is Steve Dace. Raising a banner of bold colors, no pale pastels. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. Our rights are inherent and essential, derived from our maker. That is liberty, and liberty will reign in America. This is Steve Dace. And greetings, happy Friday. Thanks for tuning in on today's free podcast, courtesy of iHeart, iTunes, and Stitcher. My name is Steve Dace. Thank you to our benevolent overlords at CRTV. They make this available to all of you for free each day by paying us to do it so that you don't have to. But this isn't the only thing we do every day. We have a subscription television show that we think is pretty average, which means we're pretty high on ourselves. CRTV.com, promo code DACE is where you can watch today's show, including our DACE group roundtable where we spent the entire program wrapping up one of the craziest, most disturbing, most troubling, and yet fake steaming piles of horse pucky kabuki theater I've seen in my career. And we spent our entire roundtable today breaking it down from various angles. I think I speak for everybody, however... That's on our panel. Uh, Kim is here with us because it's a, it's a Dace Group Roundtable Friday. I don't think I have to go around the room and ask everybody to give me a, you know, a tease for the audience. I think I know what everybody's going to say, which is, when I left the office yesterday and we had made the decision as a staff that this was going to be what we're going to do for the roundtable on CRTV, I told Aaron, I am now Mel Gibson to your Joaquin Phoenix before the climactic scene of Signs. Swing away. No sacred cows. Skewer everybody. Everybody deserves it. I didn't. I, even if it was friends of mine and people I like, nobody's off limits. Because you're probably going to speak for a lot of people who are really fed up with a lot of us in this industry right now. On every side of the Roy Moore issue. Well, let's just say youthful exuberance still has a place in America. You did it. You did it. You did it. Most devastating commentary ever. You did it. You did it. If you can make me wince, if you can make me say, oh, I don't think we should have said that. And laugh. If you can make me say, oh, that's, I'm going to pay for that later. If you can make me do that. I intentionally started with Hitler and ended with the people of Etowah County. (laughs) That, that intro, whoa. I mean, whoa. I, I felt like watching another guy get kicked in the uh, gonads. I winced, f- physically like moved, shook several times watching it. And there aren't, there might be some cows when this is over, but ain't none of them sacred. I mean, this, that is devastating and painful to watch, even if some of it is directed at people I like. 
it's because I've caught Aaron in the act in the past when I've come in for the show and we've passed each other in the hall and he's he I caught him off guard he didn't know I was coming and he's like laughing to himself because he had just got done uh, doing the caption this so I my image of him Aaron last night or early this morning when he's doing this is just singing to himself I'm on top of the world and looking down on creation like he's just been given Mm-hmm. You've been given the conch. Nice yeah. song. And can just do whatever to whomever. Judge. It's like, hey, uh, St. Peter, uh, you know, today, the book's yours, Aaron. It's all yours. My, you decide who's in, who's out. My prediction for today um, should not have been what I made it about. It should have been Steve is never going to ask me or tell me <laughs> no restrictions ever again. That, that's probably true. <laughs> Uh, so if you are not yet a CRTV subscriber, if you've ever wondered what would happen if I took all restrictions, and, and I don't have too many restrictions on Aaron, other than let's just tell the truth, but this was one time where I did explicitly tell him, given what the public has been subjected to, even if it's people I like, nothing's off limits. We all probably deserve it. If you ever wanted to know what would happen if I gave Aaron permission to go there, now is the time to subscribe because I highly doubt I will do so again. After what I, it's, it's one of those things I'm so glad. Yep. I'm so glad I saw it once, and then I'm not sure that I ever want to oh, see it, it again. Oh, I, I kept looking at you because you kept wincing at the product of your own command. You're like, ooh, <laughs> yes. Ah. I yeah. want to see it again and again. <laughs> I know. I don't think I, I can. I, I don't think I can watch it. Oh, again. I totally. I, am. I don't think I can. It's. It's that brutal. It's brilliant. CRTV.com, promo code DACE. You don't miss a single show, including today's roundtable. It's up there now. All of our shows are there for all of our shows, including uh, the great one, Mark Levin, the new one, Phil Robertson, everybody else, the entire team here at CRTV. We also have a monthly subscription option available. And if you cancel during the free trial period, you won't owe us anything whatsoever for uh, trying us out here at CRTV. All right, let's begin with a little feedback Friday now. I'm sitting here with dozens of emails regarding the Roy Moore story. We we did all that on CRTV. The vast majority of them, I'd say overwhelming majority of them, are people thanking us for attempting to walk some road of fairness and truth-seeking. And I don't, I greatly, I can't tell you how much that means to us. I really can't. Thank you so much for all of these notes. But I don't think the rest of the audience wants to hear me just sit here and read off and respond to all those well wishes. So I've tried to pick some other ones on various other topics. Or if they do bring up the Moore story, have a different angle on it. Okay? So let's begin. This is from Linda. He says, she says, the reason we are voting people like Trump and possibly Judge Moore into office is simple. We have taken on draining the swamp ourselves since no one else will do it. So we will shoot a hole in the dam, cut a ditch in the embankment, and throw in a siphon hose. I like that description. Mm-hmm. Any means possible to drain the swamp. We do not care if that means at our, that it will come at our disposal, or we don't care if it means it will create some disposal at our disposal at the same time. And I think, guys, what Linda's alluding to is <clears throat> the quote from our editor here at CR, Gaston Mooney, whose dad is a a longtime uh, Republican activist in Alabama, and Gadsden himself lives in South Carolina. Um, and Gaston's like, you know, what I'm hearing is people are digging in their heels more. They just want political violence against the system. I drew the analogy on CRTV today that the Beltway has become District 1, if you know your Hunger Games. 
And having spent a lot of time out there, they do really think that way. Uh, they do have a District 1 look at us the other way around. That is very true. I've seen it. I've experienced it. I've witnessed it. I'll give you one example. Beyond the, beyond the, the obvious, well, they're more liberal, it, it's, more, it's, it's worse than that, actually. It's this elitist notion that they know what is best for everybody and, and therefore are free to export it to the country at large. <clears throat> I went out there a, a few years ago. One of the times I went out there a few years ago was to, um, I, had a, I had a couple of prominent conservative PR firms were looking at me um, to promote as a client. And I had some other meetings with conservative leaders out there. And uh, when I travel as often as I can, I take somebody with me because of that whole Pence rule thing. So usually my wife goes. A lot of times my buddy Bob Vanderplas, who joins us on Mondays, will go. And we'll go together. I should have said that differently. But uh, let's just move on. Um, it was the summer of uh, 2014. And there's already a lot of speculation about who's going to run for president because after 2012, our phones in Iowa started ringing off the hook about five minutes after Mitt Romney lost, right? So I'm sort of being given a, a show tour as a potential new conservative media guy on the, on the upswing. So I'm being taken around. One of the PR firms that's thinking of bringing me on as a client takes me around town. We go to a luncheon with, you know, Mike Lee and a few, some other people. I mean, it, it's basically, one, they want to show me off as an up-and-comer. And two, they want to show me that they have connections to help me, you know, grow my brand, become more well-known. And during these two days and all the various meetings we had, everybody always asked me, now understand, I'm going to the conservative enclaves in Washington. Like, I'm not going to the Republican Party. I'm going to the place where like the judicial, Tom Fitton and Judicial Watch guys hang out. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. The people that we think are our people in there. I'm not even, I'm not hanging out like with, you know, Paul Ryan's people. And that's like another gated community. I'm only being taken around to the other, you know, right wingers in town. And, of course, when they find out we're from Iowa, they always asked Bob and I, you know, who's doing really well? Who's, who's, who's trending in Iowa? And, you know, the obvious names at that time, your boy ran because he had his daddy's organization. He'd had mm -hmm. the, the filibuster. And Cruz had just, had not yet done the, um, or had he done? Yeah, he had done the, because um, it was in the fall. So he had done the Obamacare filibuster in the previous fall. And when we mentioned his name as somebody that the activists were talking about a lot, now these were in the conservative circles. The I, looks on their faces. I'm, I'm talking tongue swallowed, eyes rolled back of the head, a Linda Blair-like head swivels. And this was among the right-wingers in, in, over there in town. Not the Republican Party, the movement people. And finally, after I had this reaction like seven or eight times, I said to the, la the la last person I that gave me this reaction when I mentioned, because they also, everybody here hates him. I said, do you know if I went back home to Des Moines and I posted that, he would win the Iowa caucuses two years before they take place. He'll win them tomorrow. Yeah. You guys have no idea. And, and when they would give me this reaction, I just, and, and 
I knew Ted at this time, but we, I would say we were not, we don't have a relationship then like we did now. I was not married to the notion of supporting him at any level at that point in time. Okay. In fact, one of the reasons I was there is my book Rules for Patriots was out. And as I've often told you guys the story, when I turned the original manuscript for this book in, the publisher was like, are you endorsing Scott Walker for president with this book? Because almost every example was Scott Walker. Okay. But the reaction that these people had, and again, these were the right wingers compared to what our people back here in Des Moines were looking at and thinking. And I'm like, you understand that your opinion that we're a bunch of rubes who can't think for ourselves. if I went back and told them what you think about Ted Cruz, that'd be more powerful than any endorsement Bob Vanderplatz or I could give him. You'd be the best endorsement he could have. That's true. And I, wrote, I, was, I was a columnist for the Washington Times at this point, and I wrote that. You remember that? I wrote a column about this, Todd. Sure. Republican Party endorses Ted Cruz for 2016. Right. I could not believe the reaction. And I mean, and again, if that's what the right-wingers in town thought, if I would have gone over to Mitch McConnell's haunts or the NRSC or places like that, what would they be thinking? I mean, they probably got dartboards. They're doing exorcisms of Ted Cruz over there. And so I think this goes to what Linda's talking about. One of the things I've figured out the last couple of weeks, I'm still learning. One of the things I've figured out the last couple of weeks, you know, this great frustration, what does Trump have to do for his base to betray him? Nothing. They're never going to betray him. Why? Because Trump didn't make his base. Linda's confirming this for us right here. The base made Trump. They were looking for the jawbone of an ass. Trump said enough outrageous things that made him think, I'm your Huckleberry. So they grabbed him and said, we're just going to waylay you around for a while and just see how many people we get caught in the crosshairs. That's what's been going on here for the last two years. Yeah, there's the celebrity cult that all celebrities have. That's why when you go check out at a grocery store, what do you see? People sitting there worshiping at the altar of celebrities, vicariously living through them. But there's the cult of celebrity, the Trump cult, and then there is, I hate all of you. And all I wanted to know was who you hated the most. That's all. Because I know you're not going to do any good no matter who wins. I know you won't. I have no expectation of anything good happening. Just how much bad I can limit. So if that's the only expectation I have, then while you're making my life suck, I'm going to make yours suck all the more. Commence, oh, festival. And we don't really care what his approval rating is because we don't care if Nancy Pelosi is the speaker next year or Paul Ryan anyway because nothing changes anyway. You know what does change, though? How much damn fun watching Fox News at night is when he's in charge. Just making you guys just crap your beds. Trump is the horse's head and in, 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 in the godfather. The base has taken... He's the horse's head? And they've dropped him in the, in, the, in the bed of the news media, of the Republican establishment. And then they walk out. In fact, they don't even sneak in at night. So, like, you're not shocked when you wake up and it's there. They plant it there, wake you up, guns up, double-barrel-fisted middle fingers, say, hey, we want you to know, this was us. We did this to you. Have a nice one. And then they just walk out, roll tape, lock the door, go home, grab a cold one, sit around, Ma and Pa, Ma and Pa, Carol, like, this is going to be funny. Because you can't watch anything on TV anymore because everything's rainbow jihad and everything sucks. And Kiefer Sutherland's now a pro- has gone from 24 to progressive agate prop hero. On t- I mean, that's what everything is now. This is the only entertainment value practically left for people like us. Just watch Trump torment these people. And damned if it ain't fun. That's what's going on here. 
You're not disloyal to your own toy. You're not just, that's like, when is Warner Brothers, how many more bad DCEU movies can they make? When is Warner Brothers gonna, it's their own property. They're never gonna stop making it. They're never gonna disavow it. It's their toy. Same thing, he's their toy. And they're just gonna wind that puppy up. They don't care if the approval rating's 29, 49, they don't care. Wins re-election, who cares? If not, wasn't this a lot of fun? And we're always going to have all those segments on Tucker we DVR'd. That's what's going on here. You're laughing. Oh. What do you think? I, can can the messaging that I see with my own eyes reflect that going forward? Because what I don't want is Jerry Falwell, suit and tie, hushed tones. Uh, this this is just another version of Christianity. You have to have no. I want I want overhauls. Straw hats, uh, banjo music, everybody just out there doing it. Yes. Fingers in the air, just collectively. Trump uh, is Ned Beatty. I, I want He's Ned Beatty in deliverance the, to the base. Yes. You sure the base has finally decided? Hey, CNN, you sure do got a pretty yeah, mouth. That, g- give me that. I'll rethink a lot because of it explains a lot. If you connect it, it the dots, it explains a lot. If because you, you mentioned Jer- Falwell. I mean, he's still a scumbag. We've seen now two people from Iowa who got on the Trump train, got administration jobs. They're out. Yep. I mean, who? Tell me who right now. Tell me who right now is in. Bannon's in a better situation. That's because he got railroaded by the by Trump and basically thrown out of the White House. So he's out of there on his own now, able to do whatever he wants Mm -hmm. to do. Tell me who the list of people. There's a reason why it's a short list of people who are better off since they got into Trump's orbit in the professional class mm-hmm. than they were before. There's been... Why? Because it's what Linda said. How does Scotty Hughes go from Matt Bevin's a bad guy and I'm for Mitch McConnell to suddenly I am the Tea Party spokeswoman? Well, given the way her career flamed out, clearly neither one of these stances was likely sincere. She was playing a role. And just go right on down the line. Trump has exposed how many people's fakeness, how many people's fallacies. This explains why, because I've, I've really wrestled with this, how come never Trump doesn't pay off for people financially? It doesn't. Yet being Trump shill doesn't really seem to pay off for people either. There's a graveyard of people that have that tried the Trump shill. We've, we've cataloged them all. Right. right. And it's because it ain't about Trump. It's never been about Trump. It's been about the people. And the people, now, where we may argue, although I might not argue with them anymore after what I've witnessed the last week. Maybe the people were smarter than me on this too. Maybe the people recognized there was no hope. Ask ourselves this question, if Ted Cruz were president right now, what would be different? Would it be more polished? Would it be cleaner? Do you think, do you think if Ted Cruz were president right now, Lisa Murkowski would still be saying, even this half, half-assed job of tax reform, I still won't even vote for that, and you don't have enough votes, would she still be saying that? You're damn right she would be. Yes, she would. I mean, the people may have more correctly before us surmised. There's no good that can be done. The system doesn't want any good, so we're just gonna make it hurt. And Trump will make it hurt. We can argue with the people whether we should have given up on trying to do something good or not. But they have. And that's why Trump escapes. That's why Trump's shilling doesn't pay off for people. That's why never Trump doesn't career-wise pay off for people. Because it's never been about Trump. 
It's been about the people all this time, and I think we missed that. At least this I episode did. of well, Nihilism Today brought to you by the bottom of a fifth of bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> I think your anal- analysis correct. It shouldn't lead us to believe, though, that we have the binary choice of it was either just those angry people or it was what we called um, <clears throat> follow-ask or roll type. It, it, it can be both. It has been both. You'd have to get down there and spend some time there. Uh, there were there were the posers all along, and there were the people who were just uh, burn it all down. And it's it, it it's never about Trump, but um, just be wise as serpents going forward, and not get married to either paradigm. I think when you look at well, if if Russian Hannity and those guys would have stepped in, and I don't know, I don't think they could have stopped Trump. I think that's why they didn't try. I, you, you said that a long time a ago. A big yeah. moment. I did, but I think you saw it proven this week. Now, Hannity laid down that edict. I think that helped the Moore, the, the Moore campaign get its rear end in gear. Yeah. That 24-hour edict. But they still hadn't had the news cycles that were good for them on Thursday and Friday when Hannity's edict expired. So when his edict expired on Wednesday night, what did Hannity do? I've lived in Alabama. I trust those people. He deferred to his audience. See, Hannity and Rush didn't make their listeners and viewers either. Their listeners and viewers made Hannity and Rush. I learned this in, in broadcasting classes. Successful, and I say successful broadcasters always reflect their audience. Yes. They couldn't have stopped him. They couldn't have. They would have stood against the tide of their, their audiences, our audience, most of them have given up the notion anything good can come from this system. And until a mass amount of violence is done to it politically, don't even, don't even ask me to, to, to dream bigger. I think that's the part about it that we missed. He didn't fool a bunch of people. A bunch of people are tired of being fooled. Just as the liberal media makes everything about Trump to their detriment, we did the same thing, guys. Or I, I did the same thing, guys. I did the same thing. He's not a con man. Well, I'm pretty confident he's a con man. But I don't, he didn't con all these people. He's a straw man. He's, he's the simtar they grab. He's the machete. They, he is their jawbone of an ass. That's what he is. He's the tip of the spear. Yeah. Aaron, were you going to say something? No, I was just inter- going to interject. He is he is their mark. I mean, he is he is he is the mark. Um, I mean, he is he is their tool. That's mm-hmm. all I'm saying. Yes, that explains what happened in Alabama when he tried to endorse Strange and Strange still. How many sitting presidents lose a, a primary for statewide office in a state they won sixty five percent of the vote? Or even if they didn't win, even if they didn't win a state, how many sitting presidents lose a competitive primary for statewide office when they endorse? Like, never happens. Never. Because this notion, like one of those smart set GOP consultants, Rick Wilson, said a few days ago, you know, if Trump just dumped Roy Moore, hundred, you know, one million of these people would just move. No, they would not. Oh, no, they would not. And that's, and that's why Trump didn't dump Roy Moore. Because Trump learned his lesson in Alabama yep. two months ago. I can't move those people. And the last thing I need is to have the press remind everybody again, I'm the emperor with no clothes. So I'm going to tell the people of Alabama, it's your call to make. 
There's nothing that would have changed. If, if Donald Trump had turned the White House against Amore, nothing. All the old paradigms regarding that stuff are now all gone. The idea that every time there's an allegation against a Republican, he has to resign, Trump tested that with stuff he actually said and did on camera. Didn't hurt him. Roy Moore's testing that right now with stuff he's alleged to have done 40 years ago. I'm never going away. I don't care what y'all do. Never happening. Oh. They don't know what to do if we are just as shameless as they are because that's been the whole game. We're shame. We hold you. Hold, we hold you a standard. We don't hold hold ourselves to, and we win. That's base, exactly. is give, base is given up on that. That's, We're not playing that game anymore either. That's exactly right. So we missed. I keep saying we because our show's a, no, not a solo fair. effort, but it's my name on the marquee. I missed this over the last year and a half because of my disdain for Trump's dishonesty. Frankly, is insanity and overall package of persona why because it wasn't what trump sold me when he tried to sell me individually which made me feel like either he lied to me for the two years leading up to the primary or he's lying to all of you right now but regardless of how, what one of those scenarios is true the mistake in my analysis all this time has been i thought it was about him too I made the same mistake the liberals made. I made it all about him. It's never been about him. Folks, it's always been about you. And that's what I forgot about. And to that extent, though, the, those people, ultimately, there needs to be an endgame. If you want to burn it all down and drain the swamp, so, you have to pick up pieces afterwards. And if your default is, well, that's still the smart sets class to do, we'll end up here sooner or later. you got to be willing to go to D.C., because you don't want to go to Washington, D.C. I mean, we've had that conversation with you, Steve, in your own personal life. I mean, you, you caric uh, caricature D.C. all the time, uh, smell of sulfur and things like that. But, Fruit of vipers, which is exactly if, Which is exactly <laughs> why, iniquity. if it had ever come to pass in the past or who knows in the future, you know, it, it's incumbent on us if we don't like it, we got to go fix it ourselves. Jay asks, how did you stop living your old life after you were converted? What steps were taken? I'm struggling and I'm tired. Jay, let me go to those last two words or, or sentences that you asked me about. Um, a lot of Christians have a cycle that I've heard described this way. Give up, try harder. Give up, try harder. The reality is the paradox of Christianity is the one thing we don't really ever have to do is try. Because it's the one it's the one system in the world which unlike saying here's what you must do for God begins with what God has already done for you. And Jay, he did it for you knowing every bad thing and thought you were going to do before you were converted and then every bad thing and thought you were hypocritically going to do after you were converted and he did that for you anyway when we do this in our own striving is when we fail this is the paradox Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. Take my yoke upon you, for my burden is easy and my yoke is light. Now, we don't understand what this euphemism means, what this is a metaphor for. 
you know, we have this notion of Christ as this shaman-esque figure. You know, um, doing the two, dancing between the tulips of Galilee, dispensing dime store, um, f- f- you know, philosophy. You know, I was watching this documentary on Netflix a few weeks ago about uh, the 50th anniversary of Sgt. Pepper's, and a lot of it was about uh, the uh, the shaman that the, the Beatles got themselves involved in with at this time, and they're just like following this guy around England, waiting for him to say something profound, right? <laughs> I think a lot of us have this notion of Christ because we don't know, what does that mean? My burden is easy and my yoke, what does this mean? Let me tell you what, these, now to a first century audience, like you ever thought it was weird that a guy walks up to some fishermen, just looks at him and says, come and follow me. And like, hum, hum, humana, 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 follow the shaman, leave all your family. That's not what happened, guys. See, in first century Judea, let me put it actually in a contemporary setting. Suppose you had a son, and pretty much by the time, and, and you want them to be a great football player. You pretty much know. Sometimes guys bloom late, like Ziggy Ansah with my Detroit Lions. Didn't really pick up, you know, came here from Africa. Didn't pick up football. He's like 18. All right. But most of the time, we know, particularly with all the training and everything goes on in the offseason, we pretty much know by their sophomore year in high school, at the latest, usually by the time they get into high school, who has the chance to develop, by the time they're 13 or 14, who has the chance to develop into that sort of a prospect in the next three to four years. And then imagine... One day, the phone rings, and it's the coach at a major university, and he says, we want your son. And now you know all the preparation and the training and the testing you did, that time in the yard, that time your son said, you know what, I'm not going to drive as nice a car as my buddies do because I don't want a part-time job because I'm going to work out instead. I, I want this. All that time and effort, you know right then and there it was worth it. And when that college coach calls, when he says, I want to offer you a scholarship, are you going to say, can I call you back in 20 minutes? Let me think about this. Now, you might not take it right away, but you're going to drop everything you're doing and you're going to pick up that phone and hear what he has to say because this is what you've been waiting for this is as they used to say that great clip from nfl films with bill parcells this is why you lift all them weights this is why you did this well in first century judea by the time you were 13 or 14 years old age of manhood this is the age isaac was taken up to mount moriah to be sacrificed the temple mount by abraham There's a lot of symbolism around this age. This is the age of manhood in a first century Jewish culture. And by this point in time, everybody know, kind of, the local rabbi knows who's got a gift, the rabbinical gift, and who does not, who has the discipline, who has what it takes to take my place, to be my apprentice. And if you were passed over, weren't too many other jobs available, day laborer, Maybe you had a professional class. Maybe your old man owned a job. But if you were passed over, chances are, more times than not, you were doing a job like St. Peter was. You were running a fishing net, working with your hands. And so suddenly, you've done this your entire adult life with no hope of doing anything more significant than this. Just working nine to five, the first century version of punching a clock. And a rabbi walks up and he says to you, 
10, 15, 20 years after you've already been passed over for the goods. Come and follow me because that's what the rabbis would say to the young men that they had chosen to follow in their footsteps many years ago. Every Jewish boy wanted to hear the words of the rabbi, come and follow me. This wasn't some shaman. This was the calling they, that every Jew, practically every Jewish boy wanted 20 years ago and they were missed. And Christ comes to Peter and says, the system didn't want you, I do. Come, you've been drafted, come and follow me. And that's why they did that. And see, the, and so there, again, there's a story behind this language. It's weird to us, but to a first century audience, this was their nomenclature, similar with the burden and the yoke. When you became the rabbi's apprentice, you carried his bags, basically. Kind of like the assistant to a famous person. When you see a famous person in an airport, are they carrying their bags? Or is the, is the, is the assistant carrying the bags? I think we know the answer to that. And sometimes the yoke, uh, the, the yoke of a rabbi was heavy. It's a lot of stuff to carry. And you have to carry it meticulously because he may even have the Torah with him. It has to be kept meticulously. Jesus, as a rabbi, says, I'm reversing that paradigm too. You're not going to take my burdens upon you. I'm going to take your burdens upon me. I'm going to carry your load. Because the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others. And whoever first is last, whoever's last is first. Whoever picks up their cross and follows after me, share one another's burdens. The whole paradigm is being reversed here. I'm going to carry your weight. Last, the last stretch of original music the Beatles ever composed is the last melody of Abbey Road. That was their last live recording session, even though Abbey Road, the, or even though Let It Be, the album came out later. Literally, their last words were, the, the last song, Carry That Weight, and in the end... The love you take is equal to the love you make. Christianity says Christ carries that way. But here's the conundrum. We have to remember this on a daily basis. Because on a daily basis, our default setting will be to jump in and do this ourselves. And in our own power and in our own steam. And once we start making it about us, once we activate our flesh even to do something good, we will eventually activate it to do something bad because as Romans 7, Paul points out, the flesh is bad itself. Even, even when we're nobly doing, this is why, how can Hollywood stars like have these massive benefits for the, a bunch of godless Hollywood stars have massive benefits for the homeless. And then you find out they walked right out of there and had like, you know, some, you know, pedophile sex or, how do they do that? Because once you activate the flesh, even to do something of a noble standing, eventually the flesh wants what it wants. And we have to die to that every day. And remember, it is not me who lives, but the hope of glory, Christ in me, one of the most powerful scenes in Mel Gibson's The Passion. It's not explicitly biblical, but I think its inspiration is, and it's when he's carrying his cross and his mother Mary comes oh, up to him. Kills me every time. And yes, yeah. and he looks at her and says, behold, mother, I make all things new. We have to remember that, Jay. I can tell you, Jay, the days I remember that, and I start my day off with that, compared to the days I don't, look a lot different. Jay, you're never over all of your sinfulness. He who has begun a good work in you is faithful to complete it until the day 
of what? Arrival? No. Completion. Like, well done, good and faithful servant. After I got converted, some things about me that were bad went away right away. Others went away over time. Some things really don't want to go away, and there are some things I don't want to go away. I enjoy them because I'm the man of Romans 7. But God is the God of Romans 8. And so we have to make up our minds, Jay, every single day. Am I going to live Romans 7, or am I going to worship Romans 8? And you will not do it perfectly. And then the enemy will come along when you fall, and he will say, you can't ever get back up. You've, you've disappointed God so much, he'll never take you back. Just just stay down, stay down. Well, you know, Jesus went to the cross, Jay, knowing every bad thing and thought you were ever going to do before and after you claim to follow him. The worst thing we can do as men is not fall. It's not get back up. Anybody want to add anything to that? Nope, that's the mark of a man. Uh, and that's a mark of, of somebody who's, and, and I, I would apply this specifically to manhood, and, and this is our Christian walk, but um, a, a man is somebody who keeps getting back up. That's, I think that's one of the most simple definitions of, of manhood that I think I've ever heard. And it applies to our Christian walk as well. Um, it's, it's not about arriving somebody somewhere. It's about getting back up after we've fallen. And while this wasn't intended, it was entirely random how it happened, but what you just said serves as the perfect Romans 8 follow-up to the Romans 7 that was the end of the television show about the, the worth or lack thereof of political advocacy in the future. I mean, this right here is our bread and butter. This is the answer to when we hit the roadblock in one of our avenues. And, you know, wh- what was the point? What do I do now? I'm tired. Well, Steve just told you what to do. And, of course, at the time they were writing this, when people were talking about yoke, my yoke is light. I mean, they knew what a yoke was. How many people now even understand that, that have been on the farm, to know that you're you're connected to him? He is bearing the weight on his shoulders not yours he's showing you where to go we are going down this path and you're just going with him living within um his power and and um and so i think you did a great job with this one steve Steve Giles in Gallatin, Tennessee says, so there's Roy Moore and whatever's going on there. Meanwhile, there's a law in the books that allows current members of Congress to be exempted from responsibility of sexual harassment lawsuits via a fund of taxpayer money to settle any claims. I don't want to fall in the trap of whataboutism, but I can add this to the list of hypocrisies and scams that make my blood boil. Thank you for your level-headed and well-thought-out response to this situation because a lot of us out here are very frustrated. That's not whataboutism. Steve, you're on the, you're do, what you're doing is calling out hypocrisy. One more time, what aboutism is when I call out your hypocrisy so as to not have to be confronted with my own. Confront, owning up to my own weaknesses while pointing out you're a hypocrite for not owning up to yours is integrity. That's upholding the standard. That's not what aboutism. So, so let's not make, let's make sure that in the air in the in, in the in the in the rush to, to not want to be labeled what aboutism that we just that doesn't mean we let everybody get away from being total and complete hypocrites because Steve you're right to have your blood boil about that there's no way you'd be able to st- there's no way you'd get away with that it's like the house banking scandal in the 90s you guys remember that when they could just when they were just bouncing checks and yep. having the taxpayer funded house bank cover all the losses remember mm-hmm, that I do the, 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 these people get to live by a standard we don't 
and that should make your blood boil because there are few things that are more anathema to the American experiment, to the American way of life than the idea of a ruling class. Nancy asks, how did Lethal Weapon not make it in the top 25 list of best movies of the 80s? Captain. You'd have to ask Rolling Stone about that. I think Lethal Weapon 2 is better. I think it was 89. But at least one of those two's got to be in the top 25, doesn't this it? This was my whole point from the beginning. We were rambling on and we were 10 in and I said, How? there's got to be 18, and they couldn't come to mind at the time. Somebody brought up today, where was E.T.? Oh, wow. Yeah, see? Now, see, I'm not an E.T. fan. Oh, it's great. I've never been able to watch it my whole life in one setting. I've seen it like 10 times oh, over the course of 28 settings, and I fall asleep every single time. <laughs> I'm not a huge fan, but that's but that movie was... It's top five. It's got to be. I mean, it was, a, it was a force of nature, that movie was. I mean, it set every box office record. It was the Titanic of the 80s, basically. Yeah. How's that not on there? Millennials made this list, that's how. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably true. <laughs> Stinking millennials. It's always the millennials. This is a good question. Jonathan asks, you often reference Ben Shapiro as a strong voice for conservatism. I agree, he does an excellent job at articulating conservative values and policies. I'm wondering, though, how you see Shapiro's worldview and yours differing, and are there any places where you see those differences causing a clash or conflict in deciding where to stand on social and political issues? For example, wouldn't a Judaism without Christ at some point force even conservatives to come down in a different place and time? I'm curious. That's a great question. And the answer is, yeah, it would. Um... One example would be, let, I really don't want to use this example, but I can't think of another one. Let me just use a generic example. You're worried about possible example fallout after the television show we did today? Really? <laughs> I'm worried about a lot of fallout. <laughs> I'm worried about fallout. Put another shrimp on the bobby. I'm pretty goal? confident the at Steve Day Show Twitter account won't be logged on to by me for like the next 72 hours. I'm strictly on Michigan I, Podcast all weekend. I, uh, I, My goal was to put out as many elbows as possible throughout it worked. that six minutes. Because you, you even it. elbowed your boss. Yep. Mm-hmm. So that was nice. Let's say... Um, Let's say there's a man that for decades was known as somebody that walked a narrow road and took righteous stands. Even to his own, and, he, and I mean, he was suffered for what he believes. That's how you know he's not a phony. He's willing, he's lost careers. He has suffered for these beliefs. Right? You can you can verbalize a scam. When it comes to convictions, you can verbalize convictions and have it be a scam. You cannot live them out and have it be a scam. Like you look at the apostles, for example. People will not knowingly die for something that they know is a scam. People will die for things that they don't know are a scam but believe are true. Cults, right? Dictatorships that they you know, the idolatry of state. But if you knew Hitler really wasn't the Fuhrer. Unless he put a gun to your head or arrested you, would you say, I want to die for a fake fewer? Would you do that if you knew? No, you would not. And so why did all these apostles then, why did not one of them recant? While and, having their skin pulled yes, off their body. And the one that survived, they literally boiled the guy in live and hot acid and when they, or hot oil and when they couldn't kill him, they exiled him uh, to just die alone. Nobody got a good life out of this. No one got a reward out of this. 
People will not knowingly die for something voluntarily that they know is false. They just won't. Unless they're crazy. All right, maybe one or two are crazy. They're all crazy. Psychosis isn't a collective in that manner. Well, so here's this man. So if he's suffering for what he believes, you know he believes this. Because once we move from, once we get from faith to action, right? When we, we, get, to, we get to that works part, that's when we kind of find out it's kind of nut cutting time, as we used to say back in the day. That's how we know if, if stuff's Preach. for real or not. Preach. All right? So he suffers mightily, loses jobs, careers, standing in the community for his willingness to stand up for what he believes in. And you find out years ago, many, many, many years ago, he did something that you find creepy, maybe horrific. And you're asking yourself, how can that be true? Now, let's say he doesn't deny it. He owns it. Because if he denies it and it's true, well, then you have the whole case that he's lying about it now, right? So let's say I did do that and I'm ashamed. And you're like, how do you, how do you reconcile that? I think if you don't have, if you don't have and I, I, when I say born again, I'm, I'm using this not as a denominational application. I, I mean the idea of a conversion where you've laid your previous life behind to pick up a new one. Apologize for that. You okay. already got your full Catholic on with the works thing. So all right, you've so got it good, all covered. Okay. All the boxes all right. are checked. Okay. All right. So if you've not had this experience of I'm exchanging my old life for a new one. And that is not necessarily part of the matrix of your worldview. I think you're going to have a real hard time. I would. I'll give you an example. Before I got saved, I used to think jailhouse conversions were all scams. All of them were scams. Well, of course I'm going to say that. I'm in prison. Let me out. I felt bad. I found Jesus. I think a lot of them, I have a totally different view now. I think a lot of them are probably true. Why? Because you're at the end of yourself in prison. There's nothing else. Nothing else. Nothing. You've, you've, there's a good chance if you've gone to prison, you've blown a chance to do whatever you really wanted to do in this life. So you're probably really earnestly looking forward to the next one because it's probably hopefully better than the one you're living right now. So before I had a, a messianic mindset in my worldview, and I was just a generic conservative, I had a hard time believing people could just radically change, particularly at their lowest point, unless they were faking it. But now that I do have a messianic mindset in my worldview, in fact, it's the very core, it's the plumb nut line of my worldview, I've gone from being skeptical of it to I'm banking my whole eternal soul on it. Like I'm banking my family's, every, I'm banking my whole, I can't bank anything more than my whole soul on, that is true. And I'm, I'm letting it ride all on that when 15 years ago I would have said that's a scam, I don't buy it. So that is, an, that is a place where I think John asks a very good question, where I do think eventually our religious differences will eventually come to bear when you have a story like the one that I just articulated, perhaps. Nailed it. All right. John Christie, I'll, I'll end with this. Over the past months of watching your program on CRTV, I've been enlightened from listening to you guys' message. At 63, I've never been to church. I only knew of the Lord from what I remember from my grandmother's stories when I was a kid. I read the Bible for Dummies from Amazon four months ago. By the way, that's a good read. I'd highly recommend it. Read it myself. That's well done, actually. And I bought a Bible three months ago as well. Thanks, you guys, for your faith and messages. My voyage, voyage is just beginning. The little that I know, but most of all, feel in my heart is that of a feeling of faith. I have faith... Um, 
that I can't really put into words. And I think it's it's a great feeling, and I think the Lord is the one that sends that feeling. That is from John Christie. John, people like you are the reason we've done this show the way we've done it from the beginning. And frankly, it's people like you that are going to, because we, we, you're our priority. We want to reach people like you. And for a long time, I thought we could reach people like you while trying to win elections. I'm not sure that's true. In fact, I'm pretty confident it's not. I've been kind of mulling it over over the last year, and events of the last two to three weeks have sort of cemented for me. It's probably not. We're going to probably have to make a decision. It's going to have to be one or the other. And if that's the case, I'm just going to warn everybody right now. If the choice is reaching John Christie or winning elections, I'm going to choose John Christie. Because I think there's a much bigger ROI in John Christie than there is in winning elections. I want to thank everybody for tuning in here today. God bless you, John. Thank you for that note. Have a great weekend. Don't forget crtv.com if you want to know for the first and only time what happens if I don't parent Aaron at all. <laughs> all right. Promo code DACE. We'll see you on Monday, John 317. This is Steve Dace. I like it, you.